All right, Senior Pastor, um, another week, and we just want to thank God for uh, keeping us for another week. Um, But today we're going to be talking about the Bible speaks to our society. The Bible speaks to society. The Bible speaks to our world. Um, The scriptures reveal God's message to society. Um, And we want to analyze the role of God's word in society and commit to live according to his word. And I think that's one of the issues that we have is the level of commitment or committing to the word of God. Uh, Deuteronomy 5 verse 33 says, Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live and that it may be well with you. I'll say that again. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you that ye may live and that it may be well with you. Um, uh, uh, the outline that we're going to be following today is uh, the Bible presents God's commandments, Deuteronomy 5, verses 6 through 22 and 32 through 33. Uh, Second segment, the Bible warns of sin's consequences. That's in Romans chapter 1, verse 21 through 32. And finally, the Bible reveals a forgiving God, Romans 3, verse 21 through 26. So we have God's commandments, and then we have the the consequences of not following God's commandments. And even though we sin, God is a forgiving God. Um, so in, in that order, uh, we are going to be talking about that today. Um, to get the most out of today, uh, it will be helpful for us to read Exodus 20 when it talks about the Ten Commandments. Not only does Exodus 20 express the law of God, it is also a moral code that may be applied to all people anywhere at any time and under any circumstance. Um, also, uh, Deuteronomy 3 and 4 offer background information helpful to getting a clear picture of what Moses is presenting um, in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Uh, in these chapters, we are given a picture of God himself and of his nature. They also offer a glimpse of the divine purpose toward those he has designated as his chosen people, the Israelites. Moses pleaded with them to recognize Jehovah as their God and to be obedient to his commandments. The message Moses began in chapter 5 continues through to chapter 26. Do you have anything to, to add to that, Senior Pastor? Yes, and um, we have been talking about this for a while. The Bible speaks. Um, we started, I think, in June where he says um, the authority of Scripture. Then we went on to the Bible provides moral guidance, a moral guidance. Then the Bible speaks to individuals, and he's still speaking to us. Then last week we spoke about the Bible spoke to families. Families, right. Spoke to families. And today the Bible is speaking to society. So, as we have always said, there is nothing new under the scripture. 
nothing new under the sun. Everything that you read, everything that is happening today has been happening before. And uh, just to enlighten some people, Pastor O, who don't understand what they carry the Bible, we have it on our phone, we have it on our iPad, and we don't understand what it's all about. The Bible is our compass. It's our shield. It's it um be it will be a road map and it will be a guide. So today yeah. he's speaking to society, black and white. I know we have a lot of black movement now and that sort of thing, but he speaks to black and white, short and tall, kings, peasants, presidents, governors, just about Everybody is speaking to us today. And as we get on onto the lesson, um, he says a lot about the Ten Commandments. And um, right. I, I, I look into this, Pastor O, and I said, the Ten Commandments was given by God to Moses. Moses, who led the children of Israel through the wilderness. Um, Moses was a killer when he was young, um, being in Pharaoh's house. He um, was trained, but one day he got out and saw the Egyptian fighting and um, his breathing, and he killed him, buried him in the sand. And um, another day he went out and saw two brethren fighting and tried to as we would say in Jamaican terminology, they tried to part them, tried to intervene. And one look at him and said, do you want to kill me like you killed that Egyptian and buried him in the sand? And he had to run away um, because it was known. But look at that. It was the same Moses that God saved. God fixed him up. And he met God by the burning bush at the backside of the desert. While he was taking care of the sheep, the Lord appeared to him saying, Moses, Moses, take off your shoes from off your feet for the place where thou standest is holy ground. I'm just saying that to say, although we're not commenting on Moses today, that it was a man that God changed and sent him to lead the children of Israel. So, But I, I, want to, I want to also... Oh, I want to also bring that out, Senior Pastor, because I was thinking about the same thing in that uh, many people, when they, when they want to come to church, they said that, oh, I'm not, I'm not ready yet. Uh, I have to get some things in order. And what we find throughout the entire Bible, we find, you know, that all these leaders and all these people that, that God selected, they were all flawed. There was some flaw from murderers to, you know, sexual predators to, you know, I don't know, disobedient um, people. They, everybody had some flaw, some issue, some problem that God had to. Wicked kings. Exactly. Wicked kings, you know, uh, wicked judges. I mean, it it was amazing. Pastor always also man and woman because we right. had some lady judges as well you know exactly yeah so. exactly 
But so we, I, we will not tell God what to do. God, God is the one who decides, and um, He will use anybody and everybody who comes up to His requirement. So it doesn't matter what has been done. Every soul is a soul, and the man out there that is um, doing the wickedest act, God can clean him up and bring him into the church. Moses here became pastor, became overseer, became shepherd of the children of Israel and had to lead them through the promised land. And they gave him a lot of trouble that he did not even see the promised land because of the trouble that they gave to him. And it's the same society, the same people that we live with today. But and I think that the, the children of Israel is also a reflection of our, our society today. And if we go to, to Romans, I, I know you're going to talk a little bit about that in the book of Romans. You know, um, as outlined, it, it, it talked um, in here, chap, in verse, uh, verse 28, I think it starts, and it says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. I think the, the King's Version used reprobate to do yeah. those things which are not fitting, being filled right. with all unrighteousness, and goes into this litany of things, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, um, envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. Uh, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, uh, proud, boasters, uh, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. And that's the part that hit me when I was reading it, that if you are engaged in these type of activities, you are deserving of death, and that's according to the law. Yes, yes. And, and, and that's why he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for okay. the same sins that we have today. And I, I was thinking as I look at this lesson, how oh, that God is really good to us because Paul says it's because of grace why we are not like some of these people, you know? So um, Paul here was writing to a people who had the knowledge of God and who therefore knew what was right, but whose wicked heart led them to idolatrous worship, claimed to be lovers of wisdom, but they were foolish. They were vain in their imagination. And um, let's be careful of that, how vain we get. When I was growing up in the church, you couldn't overdress because they were so careful that, um, you know, you, you give the world the wrong impression. And I'm not touching dressing and that sort of thing today, yeah. but I'm just saying we must not be vain in our imagination. You want a bigger house? You want a bigger car? You're in competition. We are not in competition with each other. 
And right. the, the truth is that you have to be careful. You could buy the house and don't even live to enjoy it, you know? Right. So don't get too vain in your thinking. Just be modest. That's what Paul called for, for us to be modest in whatever that we do. He says, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Um, but the part that really got to me, Pastor O, was God gave them up. God yeah. gave them And if he gives us up, we are doomed. They right. were left to face the foolishness of their ways. They stooped to a life of the degradation that manifested itself in the lowest and the most disgusting forms of lust. I don't know how you feel my skin crawl when right. I see the television openly, two men kissing, two women getting on with their stuff, immorality that is going on. And as Pastor O said, God said that is death. You deserve death if you don't repent of it, you know. And that, that's something that we are seeing that's creeping up in many of uh, our shows. I mean, there are times when I'm watching different uh, series with my family, and very, in very subtle way, they introduce um, certain types of relationships, uh, whether it be homosexual or, or otherwise. Um, they are introducing it in different ways, um, especially to our younger generation, because what they're trying to say is they're saying to our younger generation, it's okay to engage in this type of activity. It's okay to do uh, these kind of acts. Um, and I see that creeping up more so now, even in the church, that there are some churches now that are being complicit in, in deeming this as a, a, a legitimate type of quote-unquote lifestyle. Um, and I think the church has a, a, has a responsibility uh, to warn each and every one um, of the consequence of their actions and the consequence of their sins. And, of course, this doesn't only apply to homosexuality. Um, I was even saying, though, to my wife that it's, it's quite interesting that in the first century, Paul is writing about this um, and how applicable it is uh, to us today. Nothing new under the sun, as Solomon says. They were actually having the same kind of uh, issues and struggles and problems in the early church as we do now. Yes, yes. And um, Warren Worsby said, the world's corruption is a result of its defiance. And yeah. um, even to get back to the Ten Commandments that we perhaps need to spend some time when you get your spare time, each individual, and mm -hmm. reminisce again on the Ten Commandments. Because in one place there, the writer here says that people are in defiance of that. They want it out of their way because it speaks of God. And D.L. Mm. Moody said, one of two things you must do. You must either receive him or reject, reject him. Let me say that again. 
You must either receive him or reject him. You receive him here, and he will receive you there. Oh, I love that one. If you receive him here, he will receive you there. We just played the song, This World is Not My Home. I'm just a passing by. But if we receive him here, confess him here, and he will confess you up in heaven. If you reject him here, he will reject Check you there. Out. And that's a whole message for another time. Let me repeat that. One of two things you must do. You must either receive him or reject him. And, and, and that comes in different form too. It's not only if you reject God's servants who is preaching the word, you could be rejecting God. But you must either receive him or reject him. Receive him here, and he will receive you there. Um, so those of you who have received him here, don't need to worry about him receiving you there. You reject him here, and he will reject you there. Oh, Lord. But isn't, isn't that uh, similar to what we see with Peter? Even though Peter was following Jesus, when, <laughs> when it came to it, he actually rejected Jesus, rejected even knowing him. And I, and I think that sometimes um, we, we are complicit by our silence. We don't say anything. You know, when people ask, oh, are you a Christian? Uh, what do you believe? Uh, we yeah. are very, you know, yes, I'm a Christian, but, you know, and it just ends. We don't say anything. We are very complicit. We are... You know, we don't stand up for the things that are right and stand up for, for godly principles. Yeah. Some people don't even want to say where they go to church, Pastor O. Right. That's true. And, um, you know, there might be problems at the church where you worship, but it doesn't mean that you're afraid to say where you go because the early church had similar problems. Right. They had similar problem. Jesus had to sit them down one time, and even Peter he had to rebuke one time. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, I'm not telling you to call anybody Satan, but, um, you know, it's it, nothing new under the sun, and we need to know that. And you, you mentioned about um, evildoers are called whisperers. Um, whisperers might be worse, the writer here says, than backbiters because they give the person being slandered against no recourse to defend themselves. Right. People and, and the church is so guilty of that. We like people who spend a lot of time gossiping and whispering and backbiting and um, don't even have time to tell somebody else about the love of God. But we yep. whisper. The Bible is speaking to the whisperers. He's speaking to the evildoers. Do we have evildoers in church? Oh, yes, we do. Do we have backbiters in church? Yeah, more than the world because the world, they perhaps will just fight and it's over. And if somebody has to go to jail, they go to jail. In the church, we backbite, we backbite, we spend time on the phone and we backbite and push the other person down 
into the ground. We, we, we said earlier this year in one of the lessons that the church is famous for killing its own soldiers and bury them when they get wounded, you know. And um, if I can help somebody as I pass along, then my living shall not be in vain. So how how do we now overcome this? Because, you know, uh, in Romans uh, chapter 3, it talks about, you know, having faith in Christ. Do, Do we think that... You know, um, do we think that that's the answer? I mean, I'm pretty sure uh, you would agree with me that having faith in Christ is the answer. But how do we get to that point? Because we are literally facing a faithless society. uh, And we see it every day. They don't know who to believe because the church is not or is no longer being the example. Um, We have leaders that are failing. We have you know, church members that are bickering and whispering and backbiting uh, within each other. So we, we, we are facing a faithless society. How can we get back to that point and restore um, that which God has or that which uh, Jesus Christ has laid as the foundation? Well, there are several segments that I could say are pieces, of, you know, many pegs that would fit that. For number one, would have to get back to fasting and prayer. You know, like I said, the church now is not facing anything that the early church didn't face. They fasted and they prayed. They went from house to house, breaking bread together, Um, the Lord working with them with signs. Brother Davidson said one time that if you want to see church full, just have one sign. Just make one man come there with a broke foot. Can't walk. And get healing, throw down him, stick and walk. Just make one person with blinded eyes. You know, come and Lord open the eyes. And he's the same God. Nothing has changed where that is concerned. Um, I don't know if it's our faith that doesn't reach up to that. I don't know if we're different. I, I was remarking the other day that some of our elders and our teachers who preach the gospel, some of them did even have an high school education, right. you know, the basic. But what they did is that they fasted and they prayed, and when they hit that podium, it's like fire was coming down from above. We need to get back to those days. We, we can't even find people to pray now. And, and people are so thin-skinned that as something happens, they're ready to take off and run away. The early church didn't do that. They stuck together. And um, when it looked like things wasn't working out, when they couldn't go forward, they dug their heels in and they waited, you know, for God to lift the cloud. And church, when, when we get back together, we cannot get back to be the same church. After all of this pandemic is finished, there must be a change. And I know we, we sometimes point fingers and say pastors and pastors and it's pastors' responsibility. No, it's all of us' responsibility. We must get back to be the church of the living God. And um, we, we must pray and fast and seek God, 
until if we have to have another upper room experience, then we need to persist. And I'm not just talking about sunshine. I'm talking about the church of God everywhere because we all make up the church. The church is made up of flesh, flesh and blood members united by covenant. Let me repeat that. The church is made up of flesh and blood members united by covenant. That's you and me. And we give one another trouble and we backbite one another and we create evil against each other and we whisper against each other and we are vindictive against each other and we are unmerciful and we are uncompassionate against each other. But the Lord, the Holy Spirit today is calling us because the church will not be the church until we get right with God. The church will not leave the world until sin leaves the church, you know? And so we have to look into ourselves. It's an individual thing. While we are talking to society, we make up society. We make up society. And the church must shine in society regardless of what is happening, regardless of what is happening. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And when it comes to the nature and existence of sinfulness, all have sinned. That's what the writer said. Both the best and the worst of people. Um, Solomon said, There is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And that's Ecclesiastes 7 verse 20. Um, John wrote in First John 1, chapter 1, verse 10, he says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So throughout Scripture, we find that we are all guilty of something. We are all guilty of something. And the Apostle Paul declares sin to be falling short of the glory of God. God has set a standard for living, and sin does not meet that standard. Um, um, so we, we need to recognize our deficiencies, our failures. And I, I remember you saying a few years ago that we need to have a me revival. And I think that is so true. We need to start with us first. We need to start the process of going to God and asking for forgiveness and then start branching out to our spouses and our children and our family, and then from that now outside of the house to our communities, to the world. Um, What do you think about uh, having a me revival? Can you explain that or expound upon that a little bit more before we close? I remember I think we did that in Pahoke some years ago for an entire week, and we had there a segment of me, me revival, which means that you work on you instead of trying to, you know, I I have always said, every time you point your hand with the five fingers, the biggest one is coming back at you. It's me. It's me again, Lord. I have a prayer that needs an answer. It's me again, Lord. I have a problem that I can solve. I don't mean to worry you, but here I am facing something new. It's me again, Lord, because we can't do anything 
to be accepted by God more than what he asks us to do. B.B. Warfield says, nothing that we are and nothing that we can do enters into the slightest measure into the ground of our acceptance with God. Jesus did it all. Jesus did it all. And I don't know if you saw that, this part here in your, in your commentary, Pastor O. He says that some people fall far short of the standard God has God set. set. Yeah. Some people fall far short of the standard God has set, while others are so close to the mark, but not close enough. You know? When we are measured by God's standard, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I like the, 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 the quote a song there, me revival again, me again, Lord. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stain. The sinless Christ died not for himself, but for a lost world. Again, I say nobody can get me um, to get this out of my mind, that all these people, all those who are sinning, all those who are carrying on and going on, is going to go down into hell. The Lord died to save sinners. And if it's going to take the pandemic or more than that to save people, God is going to turn it around. Saving faith is an immediate relation to Christ. Accepting, receiving, resting upon him alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life by virtue of God's grace. Charles Pungent said that saving faith is an immediate relation to Christ. We must accept him. We must receive him. We must rest upon him alone, not on your friend, not when you have problems, because the same friend that you have will turn against you. The same person that you help will turn against you. Only God's grace and by virtue of God's grace that we can be justified and have eternal life. So may we get to that place. May we get to that place. And when we open up, Pastor, it might be a good thing for us to do another me revival. You know, because the church, when the church is right, the world will Amen. get right. will be right. When, and, and when we accept Christ as our personal Savior, God declares us to be no longer under condemnation, but to be in a right standing before him. And I think that's what all of us are aiming for, um, to be in right standing with God. And that measure has been set, that bar has been set quite high. But, you know, it's through Christ when we accept him as our personal Savior, then God no longer um, holds us to the requirements of the law, uh, the Ten Commandments, 
but we are now in right standing before him. We don't have to slay the lamb anymore. We don't have to place the blood on the door. Someone has taken the place of the lamb, and he is the great I am. Tina, Pastor, can you close us out um, as we pray for those uh, individuals who are in sin, um, if God can just have mercy on them right now. Yes, and I, I just want to say before I pray, if there's anybody listening today, some people are going through a lot of stuff. I've been, you know, talking to some people, and some people have been talking to me. And some people think that their sin is so far gone that the Lord might not, will not forgive them. Not true. That's a lie from the devil. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Remember the woman, and I might be talking to somebody. Remember the woman caught in the act of adultery, that they all brought her to Jesus, and they came with their stone, and they, they said to Jesus, by Moses' law, she should be stoned. Yet, they did not stone her. They brought her to temper to mock Jesus. And Jesus didn't say anything. He stooped down and he wrote on the ground. Bible didn't say what he was writing. But some commentators said that he was writing their names, writing their deed beside what they had done. And when he was finished and he lifted up his eyes, they were all gone, and he said to the woman, where he said, are where are thine accusers? She said, Lord, they're all gone. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and don't let it happen again. Go your way and correct it. So if you live for God, it will be a long life of blessing. And you're going to make mistakes along the way. Don't make anybody push you down into the ground and tell you that the Lord will not forgive you, you know. But we, we need to be careful these days because we see what's happening with the pandemic, that you could get it and boom, you don't make it. You know, so um, make sure that your hope is in Jesus. Make sure that your faith is in Jesus. And the arrow that we make, let's correct them and let's live for the Lord and, you know, live that life which he deserves and desire of us. Let us bow our heads and I want to pray for somebody today. I want to know as I pray for myself, as we pray for each other, I want to pray for somebody who might be on here today and want a blessing from the Lord and want the Lord to touch you, you know. And we hope, as we did the song, he touched me. And oh, the joys that flood my soul. Something happened. And now I know he touched me and made me whole. Father, it is under that premise that we come today. Depending on your word. Okay. Your word that is a lamb unto our feet and a light to our part. Thy word that will clean us up and will make us ready for you to receive us. 
We come, Lord, because your words never lie. And so we come to you today. We ask you, first of all, to forgive us of our sins and our trespasses. All that which we have done against each other, the whisper, the evil, oh God, the hatred, not loving each other as well as you would want us or command us to love each other. We pray for that today. And we pray that as we go through this service, that you will start a revival. Send the Holy Ghost. Start a revival in us today. And we cry, O Holy Ghost, revival comes from thee. Send a revival. Start the work in me. Start the work in me, Lord. Oh, in the name of Jesus, we ask you today that we will never be the same. After listening to your words pointing at us today, your words coming at us today, we pray that you will have mercy upon us according to your loving kindness and according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out our transgression. We pray today for all those who are listening, whatever we're going through, oh God, you sit high and you look low. And I pray today that you will touch everyone. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joys that flood my soul. Make something happen today. Oh, God, get a touch from the Lord. He's so real. And if we draw nigh to you, hallelujah, you will draw nigh to us. Draw nigh to us today. Hear us, oh, Lord. Hear, oh, heaven. And oh, Come to your children. Turn not your face from us. Turn not your back against us, Lord. But, oh, take not your Holy Spirit from us, but send your Spirit to convince us, to convict us, Lord, and to turn us around. We pray that you will bless every heart, bless every eye, bless every lips, Lord. Oh, God, that we will carry the gospel rather than the gossip. Oh, God that you will give us a revival in our soul through the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. Hear us today and bless us today. Oh, God, and we pray that you will give deliverance and peace and joy and contentment in the mighty name of Jesus. Wherever your children be today, those who are sad, those who are weeping, oh, those who don't know what to do, I pray that through your Holy Spirit today, you will turn things around. Let not the enemy triumph over us. But, oh God, for your name's sake, we will rejoice and be glad. Hear us today and pronounce your blessings upon us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We say amen and amen.